chapter 1. And as you're turning there in the New Testament, I want to take this time just to thank my mom who is allowing me to share and speak behind the pulpit. Very, very grateful for her. Uh, you know, I can keep on going a lot for the thanks, but uh, I believe that she knows exactly how much we're thankful and grateful for her. So very thankful for her and everything that she's done for us, just allowing us to come and even preach behind the pulpit. Also, it was great to see Willie G and Francine. Uh, great, great friends of the family, along with their children, Jacob and Oriana, all, all of them uh, that are there. Great, great friends of the family. I love uh, being around them. And then also my uncle, my uncle Jesse and Auntie Tony, they're here today. And man, I was like, wow, what is, I guess everybody's leaving Southern Cal, going to Northern Cal. I guess that's what's happening. All right, that's good. That's a great thing uh, to happen. You know, it's okay. It's God's country. Amen. God's country. And, uh, it was a trip. We were driving up here, and the, some of the students, they go, I've never seen so many cows in my life. You know, because on the five, when you drive on the five in the middle of nowhere, you smell it, but you don't see it yet. You're like, what is that? And then we drove right by. Like, It's a country, but it's God's country. Amen. And it's also great to see the, uh, the church in Sacramento, seeing them here. Amen. Richard and his wife, everybody, the whole team that is here. Uh, Sacramento, also a great, great part of uh, our, our church, even uh, my history as well, because Pastor Eddie, who's the pastor there, was uh, my youth pastor for a number of years here uh, within the church, so uh, I know that even the church there in Sacramento, uh, now I believe this church is now a part of that region, right? Also, this is the Cap City region, that's tight, that's nice, and um, uh, the moment I heard that regional name, I go, that's the best regional name I've ever heard. Because there's a lot of regional, you know, they get the Rio Grande and the East Coast region. But when they told me Capital City, I go, that's bad. I like that. Capital City region. That just, like, brings, like, a, forget political, you know, strength. It just feel like a spiritual strength, like Capital City. Like, we're the top. I just like that. It's just the way that sounds. I'm like, we're the top. Capital, amen? We're the capital. I like that. James chapter 1. And I want to speak to you a word that I really believe that God has given to me to give to you. James chapter 1 verse 3. For when your faith is tested, I got the New Living Translation. Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 7 right there to the left. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Now remember, I have the New Living Translation. It may sound a little bit different than yours. Translation is not a big difference as long as the application is the same. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says, Not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord... But they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my Father in heaven. Some of your translations may say, but he that does the will of my Father that is in heaven. Let us pray. Father, I give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. I do it at the beginning, and God, I want to do it at the end. Lord, I pray that your word will come forth with clarity, with strength, with power. He that has an ear, let him hear, Father. Remove me and place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name. And all together we said, before you're seated, turn to a person next to you and tell them, it's time for the test. Then you may be seated. Also good to see Danny and Carmen. All right. Come on now. Good friends of ours. Myself and my wife. Been around for a number of years. Safe thugs. We be thugging it. What? <laughs> for those of you that may say, man, this guy's young. I, I, I am young. And I, I'll actually, you know, a preacher once told me, they just said, be yourself. I said, okay. So I'm going to be young then. I'll just be young. I, I, I like it. Uh, you know, the, these are new shirts. Thank you, mom. Uh, thanks to my mom. New shirts that we're going to be having uh, within their UTC. 
Uh, every day is training day in the UTC. That's how we have it uh, over there. And then also, I got some shirts for sale. These aren't for sale yet. We don't have them available. We have some uh, shirts that are available. Um, uh, the UTC, they have them right there. They're actually light-up shirts. They light up uh, when you talk. So as you talk, they, they light up like that. They're pretty cool. UTC shirts. Uh, so we have them available. We only have a few left. Uh, a lot of people they sold out with them. And then also we have some high school summer impact shirts that are available too. Uh, they're, they're, they vary in, in, uh, uh, you know, in prices because uh, these light-up shirts are a little bit more expensive. When you go down there to Hollywood, they have a bunch of them. But they're like 40, 50 bucks. We don't sell them for 40, 50 bucks. But they're, they're nice shirts that we have, so if you'd like to help support the ministry. And then also the video that you just saw, we have about uh, 10 videos uh, that are available on a DVD if you'd like to help support that ministry as well. Donation, uh, uh, you know, $5 or whatever you can uh, to help out with the ministry that's also available. That helps go right back into the UTC. But one of the things that I know in being here, growing up in this church, sitting here in the seats uh, that you're sitting in, uh, in this, even uh, in this building, but also many of the other 49 buildings that Victory Outreach Hayward met in throughout the 20 uh plus years within this uh, community, being here, I heard a lot of sermons being here in this church, sitting there. And one particular story that I heard while sitting there where you're sitting, I heard a story many, many years ago. I probably must have been about 15, 16 years old. And I heard it. I said, man, that's a funny little story. And so this morning, I want to share it with you. There were four ministers that went and they had lunch together. There were pastors, pastors of a church, and they were all having lunch there together. And as they were sharing about a lot of successes that they're having within their church, which taking place, one of the pastors was, you know, a little burdened. And he said, you know what, you know what, pastors, if, if I could just share something with you, you know, uh, would that be all right? And the pastors were there. They looked at each other. Of course, you know, you know, because as pastors, you don't get to share a lot of, you know, hang-ups and mess-ups with the church. You can't tell the church because they'll look at you different. But with pastors, are like, oh, you know what? I just got to share. So the pastor was there. He said, can I share something that's on my heart? But, yes, of course. But I, I need to share something just real deep. I, is that okay? He's all, you know what? Uh, we're amongst brothers, and so I just got to share some, something with you. I know I'm a pastor, but I have this one vice, and I have this one problem. Maybe you could help me. You could pray with me. Well, sure. Well, what is it? Well, I have just a small problem, and that problem is I like to smoke. I don't do it all the time, but just I like to smoke every now and then, and it's just something I, I need prayer with. And the other pastors that yes, 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 let's, let's pray. And of course, they begin to talk. Then another pastor was there, and he was encouraged. He said, you know what? Since we're all sharing, maybe, maybe I could share something. Well, my vice is, you know, I don't like to smoke, but I, I do have a small vice of my own, and I like to drink. Every once in a while, I just, I got to take a sip of old grandpa syrup every now and then. I just take a little drink and, you know, I don't do it all the time. It's just something that I need prayer in. Can you help pray for me? Yes, yes, of course. And they begin to be there and around the table and they begin praying for one another. Then the third pastor that was there, he said, well, since we're all sharing, can I share something? I said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, I don't really have a problem with smoking. That was never my thing. And. Drinking it never really, you know, enticed me. But there is one vice that I do have, and, and that is that I have a gambling problem. Man, I just don't know what it is. Just every once in a while when I get that money in my pocket, I got to see if I can make it more. And I, I try to gamble every now and then. And can you help pray for me? Yes, 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 of course, of course. And they're there, and they begin to pray for one another, and they're praying, and they're helping. And then all of a sudden as they're praying, they look, and they look at the other fourth pastor and the last pastor that was there. They look at him. He's just sitting there, just real nice, quiet. One of the pastors looks at him and says, well, what is it that you have? I'm sure you have something. You know, we're not all perfect. We're all falling short. He said, well, me, I, I've shared mine. I, I smoke and him, he drinks and him, he likes to gamble. Well, well what's yours? So the pastor's sitting there. He says, well, I'm going to be honest. Me, smoking, not my thing. Drinking, never was. And gambling, not a big deal. But I do have one small problem. And I love to gossip. And I just can't wait to get back to my church.
In other words, we all got problems. We've all got issues. Even the pastors, yes. Even the pastors. Even the ministers, yes. Even the, every single one. But despite all our mistakes, hello somebody. Despite all our problems, despite all your hang-ups, God still wants to use you. Me? But I got a problem. God still wants to use you. But I can't speak very well. God still wants to use you. But I, I don't dress like her. I don't dress like him. I can't talk like him. I can't talk like her. God still has a plan for your life. God still has called you. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound even the smartest minds of this planet. You know what's so heavy about that scripture? I like about that. Even I was reading and studying the other day. That, that word, the, the foolish things of the world. You want to know what that word means? Foolish? Fool? You know what it means? It, you would think, okay, fool, I'm a fool. No, you know what it means? If you want to translate, it means a moron. A moron. That's really what it means. That's a heavy word to say, right? Like moron. Oh, hey, that's, I'm a, yeah, guess what? You and I, we're morons. That's cold, huh? But yet God still wants to use you. A mess up like me? Yeah, a mess up like you. A drug addict like a gang member? Somebody that didn't listen to nobody? Me? Yeah, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Give the Lord a hand of praise if you believe that here this morning. Despite all your mistakes. Despite it all. God wants to use you. But see, the one thing that you and I must realize is that every usage must be tested. In order to be used, you got to be tested. We got to make sure that you are foolproof. We got to make sure that you have that testing that is not FDA approved, but uh, JC approved. Can I use this woman? Yes, I saved them, but now I want to use them. I want to make sure that my glory, my presence can flow through them, flow around them, and be used to touch others around them. To be tested. Somebody say tested. There was a young minister that went to an older aged minister man of God and he asked him can you help me pray for patience the older minister laid hands on him and said God I pray that he would go through all the trials and tribulations as possible amen wait I just wanted patience well if you want patience you need to learn to have patience this is how you get it see a lot of people they just want it they don't want in order to go through that process of how to get it they just want it my friend, in order for you to keep the promise, you got to be able to go through the process for that promise. There must be a test for that. Can I hear an amen? amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to look at a story here. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And we're going to see about how Jesus was taking his disciples through this process. And in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, read with me here. It says, then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a terrible storm came up with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. It's crazy, huh? He was sleeping. The disciples went to him and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus answered them. Why are you afraid you have so little faith? I like when Jesus answers his own question. Then he stood up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and suddenly all was calm. The disciples just sat there in awe. Who is this? They asked themselves. Even the winds and the waves obey him. As we look at this portion of scripture, I love reading stories. I love stories. When I was younger, my mom used to read me stories before I go to bed. Stories have always intrigued me. Stories have always been a part of my life because I've learned that I'm writing my very own story. You right now, you're writing your own story. And as you look at your life, you're going through a story. Right here, Jesus was writing a story with his very own disciples. The first story that he was writing with them is that first he got into the boat. Remember, we, we learn a lot about Jesus, and we, we hear a lot about the stories of him, about how he walked on water, right? Remember, that's when he told the disciples, okay, I want you to go across the lake, and I'm going to meet you on the other side. And then all of a sudden, the uh, waves came, and it was crazy, and the, they were about to break the boat, and then here comes Jesus walking on the water. Well, before that story was this story. 
First, he was with them in the boat. Before he walked on the water, before that miracle took place, first he had to show them how to keep the miracle. And first, he got in the boat with them. See, the one thing that the disciples, that you learn here and you see right away, the Bible says that the disciples followed him. How do you know you're a disciple? Are you a follower first? That's the great thing about being a disciple is that you got to be a follower. There are a lot of people that claim to know Christ. They just don't follow him. I mean, how often do you even hear people and they come behind a podium or they get behind a microphone and you see them maybe accept an award or, or even say the first thing they want to say, uh, before I accept this award, I just want to first thank God without him, almighty God, I wouldn't be able to accept this uh, award for doing all the cussing and all the booty shaking that there ever, ever was and having all the sex on TV. But first I want to thank God. Right? Now, right away, doesn't that kind of like, wait, 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 it, uh, hold on. Something doesn't match. Now, the words come forth, sounds good, but the following has gone nowhere. They may say it from here, but their heart, the Bible says, is far from me. It's nowhere near where it's supposed to be. See, the first step of being a disciple is you got to be a follower. That's what happened here with the disciples. Before they were even disciples, they were just followers. They just followed them. Where are you going? Okay, then I'm going to go there. See, the key about being a disciple is you got to be a follower. Where is the presence of God? That's where I want to go. Matter of fact, that's not where I want to go. That's where I need to go. That's where I have to be. See, one of the keys about being even in the home, men's home, women's home, is look, you gotta, don't follow being an ex-drug addict. Anybody could do that. You want to do that? Go to an AA. Go to NA. Anybody could do that. You came here to follow Christ. You came here to get a hold of God. See, you could be at any other church there is in the Bay Area, but God told you to be here. You need to go where God has told you to go. Get in the boat. All right, I need to get in the boat. I guess I just got to go there. What's going to happen? I have no idea, but if God's there, that's where I want to be. I just want to be in his presence. I love that song. I think it's by the Vineyard Music. I want to be where you are, right? dwelling in your presence. I just love that song. Simple song, something dynamic, which, by the way, I just want to tell you guys, your music is awesome. It really is awesome. You guys have done a 360 or 720, whatever you want to call it, from the last time I was here. You know, last time I was here was great. It was good. But let's be honest. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why did I say that? You're probably like, man, that's cool. No, I'm serious. I want, to, I want you to see the progress of success that you're having. It's really good. It's very good. I mean, I was, I was broken. I was crying. While I, was there. I was like, man, it's powerful. That was good stuff. Keep that up, whatever you're doing. Keep it up. Good job, AJ, Luis. You're powerful. Amen. But I want to be where the presence of God is. That's where I want to be. That's where you need to be. Look, at you may not have it all together, but as long as you're in the boat with God, then you're okay. You're all right. You're, look, at everything's going to be okay. Look at the person next to you say, it's going to be all right. Somebody once asked, how come God's not answering? Well, the answer I give to you is, well, are you even following? God will answer you, but are you following? Are you doing the will of your Father? In verse 24, the Bible says that this storm came without warning. See, there are going to be many trials in your life that they do come without warning. Can I hear an amen? amen? See, if you play sports, how many of you guys play sports? You love sports? I love sports. I love playing sports. Even the other day, we were playing football, basketball. I just love playing sports. But as you're out there, even on the court, whether you're playing baseball or football, basketball, but if you're out there on the court and you're, you know, maybe defending a guy and if he comes around and he hits you, you're like, hey, wait, what are you doing? You, you can't get mad. You're the one that wanted to play the game. What are you getting mad about? So he hits you. That's a part of the game. You know, even in, in basketball, for those of you that play basketball, there's a term that we always say, no, no blood, no foul, right? And you're all right. You're fine. You're okay. You're, you're going to live. You'll survive. But that's when you play the sport because, hey, you're, you're there. This kind of storm was one of those, imagine if you will, that you weren't playing the sport. You're actually on the bench. Imagine just sitting on the bench and here comes this big old 350-pound man with full pants and you're just sitting there on the bench. And then, boom, hits you. You get, hey, I wasn't even on the field. What, what are you doing? I wasn't. That's what was happening here with the disciples. Hey, I was, just, I was just in the boat, man. I was just chilling. We were 
just having a good time. We just saw miracles, and now we're going to go see more miracles. Wait, hold on. You're not supposed to hit us now. Not right now. I mean, you know, later when I have more money, then give me the bills. I, I don't have a lot of money. Not right now. Wait a second. I, hold on. I'm still getting my kids together. They don't have to leave the house yet. Wait, wait. Wait till I get myself together. Don't give me those without warning storms. I'm not ready for those. I'm not prepared for those. That's what was happening here with the, with the disciples. God was putting them through a test and a process without warning. There was no label on there that said, warning, this is going to happen to you if you follow Christ. Warning, this is what's going to take place if you become a Christian. Warning, no, this was just, no, no warning. No label, just get in there. Isn't that just like God sometimes that you like, man, where did this come from? How did this happen? Where did this? I wasn't expecting this. Another song I like, but we anticipate the inevitable, supernatural intervention of God. I expect a miracle. Expect the unexpected. Things will come your way even when you don't expect it. Has that ever happened to any of you before? It's just, wait, wait, where, where did this come from? See, God was doing something inside of their lives as disciples. Why? They weren't regular followers. They were now going to the next level within their discipleship. God was preparing them. See, right now you got to understand something that God is preparing you through this process. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling, say, man, well, I'm not prepared for this. My friend, that's because God's preparing you for it. Say, well, I should be prepared for this. No, my friend, God's got something greater for you. He just doesn't want you in the boat. Getting in the boat, that's just a part of it. That's just the beginning of it. God's got so much greater stuff in store for your life. Things that you've never even seen. Things that you can't even imagine. My friend, the boat, that's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's the beginning of what God has for you and I. See, the, the Bible says that this was a furious storm. That word furious in the Greek means a large, a loud, a violent, or an intense. This was an intense storm. This was the kind of storm that made you want to hit something back. You ever been in those before? Like you really, you know you can't hit nobody because it's really your fault. But you still want to hit somebody anyways. You ever... Oh, don't, don't look at me like that. Like, yeah. No. This is victory outreach. Don't make me look at your domestic violence record. Don't make me do that. Some of you guys got, the cops went to your house for domestic violence, and they were trying to break everybody up, but it was just you fighting against yourself. You were on one. Yeah, we're here trying to break them up, but there's only one of them fighting himself. Holes all over the place. That's what was happening here with the disciples. They just wanted to like, it was a, it was, it was this was intense. This was the kind of thing that you're just like. I can't, I don't understand. Whoa, this coming from this way. It's coming from that way. And like, well, how did this happen? How did they even know this about me? Uh, well, what was taking place? It was intense. That intense pressure. That, that, that intense situation where you've been in those tense. That man, even though water is around you, you're still sweating yourself. You're still perspiring yourself. You're still going through it yourself. A violent one. This was something that was testing who they are. See, you're never going to know the true depth of your character until you get pressure on you. Until true pressure comes. That's where we're going to see the true depth of your character. That's what was taking place here with the disciples. God wanted to see the depth of their character. In verse 25, it says that Jesus was sleeping and the disciples said, Lord, save us. Now, you got to remember, the disciples, they had just seen a miracle take place. They had just seen the demon-possessed man get healed. They had just seen a few miracles take place within, them, uh, within following Christ. Some great things had already happened. So you would think, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe something's going to happen. You know, God's going to do something powerful. But the Bible says that they were scared, even though they saw the demon-possessed man, even though Peter's mother-in-law had just gotten healed. That's a miracle in and of itself when a mother-in-law gets healed. They've seen this. Oh, man, it was powerful. It was great. It was awesome. But yet, nevertheless, they still got scared. 
See, just like many of us at times, we see so many miracles take place. Men and women, drug addicts get healed. Families come together. But yet still, we see what's right in front of us. That's all we see. That's what happens sometimes. When I was uh, reading the other day uh, in my devotion, it was, uh, it was a very heavy portion of scripture. How Jesus told the disciples, this generation will not see no more miracles. I said, wow. I mean, now, if you take it for face value, you say, wow, how does it, is that even possible? Well, it, when you read more into it, you're talking about their hearts. Those that harden their heart, they ain't going to see nothing. Jesus continued to perform miracles after that. But he was talking to those that harden their heart. You want to know some of the most hardened heart people are not sinners. They're actually religious people. They're the ones because they see the miracles. I've seen it. I've, I've been there before. Oh, yeah, that's just another drug addict. That's just another guy in the home. Yeah. You know, oh, that's great. Look at, look at, they're lifting their hands. Look at it, look at it. But that won't last long. Oh, look at, look at, look at, they're dancing at the altar. I used to do that. Matter of fact, I was even better at it. But that's okay. And what happens is something takes place within their heart. You've seen the miracles before, but now, you know, miracles, yeah, we see them a lot. I heard a preacher the other day as I was uh, listening to his message, powerful, powerful message. And he said something that kind of snapped, snapped to in my mind and kind of, you know, infiltrated my heart when he said, there's going to be a revival that takes place within America. But he said, it's not going to be through the mega churches. He said, it's going to be through the small churches. And I went, wow. He said, yeah, that's how the revival in this country, in America, is going to break loose through the small churches. The ones that their hearts are not hardened. And I went, wow. That kind of just took me back a little bit. I said, whoa. That's a big statement to say about some big churches. They're like, wow. But nevertheless, when you really begin to think about it, it's like, yeah, because a lot of people in big churches, now not to say anything wrong about numbers, because I, I think numbers is great. I think, per, personally, I think the bigger the church, prayerfully, the more people less in hell. That's the way I see it got a bigger chance. Let's up the statistics. Let's do it. And believe me, numbers, don't think, well, you know, big, small. Yeah, you're right, the big churches. No, no, no. If numbers wasn't a big deal, it wouldn't be a book in the Bible. Numbers is a big deal. So if we have a big church, I think that's great. I think it's awesome. Let's get 10,000. But we want 10,000 on-fire disciples, on-fire men of God that love Jesus and do the will and the work of God. Can I hear an amen? And I believe that can happen here. But sometimes when you get into those bigger churches, they just basically clock in and clock out. They're just doing their time. So basically when they get in line in heaven, they're going to give Jesus a time card and say, Hey, look, Jesus, I was here two hours every Sunday. I was there. Yeah, I saw you. It was right there. It was real good. Can you, can you mark that in? Okay, good. I'll, I'll see you inside. Per, uh, there's going to be a lot of people that think like that. A lot of people that think that I can do community service. Like there's a, a celestial community service that you can do. Just for God. Every once in a while when you see a bum on the street, you'll, hey, I gave a dollar. Hey, Jesus, did you see that? Look, I gave that guy a dollar. I did. Don't forget that. Please don't forget that. Well, you don't forget. You know all, right? <laughs> Thanks. But that's how... Many people think. See, my prayer is, is that as the church grows, so does the health of the church grow. We grow in numbers, but we also grow in spirit. We just don't come and have, we don't have these big events just to have big events. If that was the case, we'd have a big event every Sunday. Let's just do it every Sunday and get as many people as we can in here. So that we can tell people, we got a big church. We don't do that. We have these things so that we can get people come in here, get them cleaned up, washed up, cleaned by the blood of the Lamb, and then also then send them out to do the work of God. The mo even if you're here for the first time, you got homework as soon as you leave here. What? Uh, homework? Man, I, I skipped that on ninth grade. I don't like homework. The Bible, look, the Bible says once you get it inside you, now go and tell somebody. Just tell somebody about it. Don't let your heart get hardened by all this receiving and no giving. That's what happens. People come to church and they receive. They receive. That's why Jesus wanted to make sure here with the disciples that they just weren't getting everything. They weren't just receiving everything, but they were giving out. See, one of the key things to not having a heart in heart is you got to give. 
You got you to be a giver. Be a, freely I receive. Freely I give. When's the last time? I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you gave somebody something with no expectation of return? Just give for no reason. No reason. And whether it was somebody you knew or somebody you didn't know. Just gave it to, just to give it to them. And I don't want nothing. I mean, if you really think about it, you're like, most of the time, yeah, I gave him something, but I want to change back. Yeah, he better help me out. Because that's our human nature. Okay, I'm going to give you, but you give me something back. I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back. Actually, what's funny about us is that I'll scratch your back for a little bit, but you scratch my back for a lot. But this, Christ was trying to make sure, no, once you give it out, don't expect nothing back. Even if you don't get nothing, just dust off the dirt of your feet and just keep going. Don't worry about it. I want to make sure that your heart is not hardened. Not hardened by the everyday coming to church, listening to the preacher, but you yourself never preaching. Did you know that every single one of you here are called to be a preacher of the gospel? Every single one of you are called to be a preacher of the gospel. To give the good news. If all you know is John 3.16, then be the best John 3.16 preacher ever. Ever. Well, uh, all I know is one verse, but I'm going to give it to you like uh, it's the only verse I know because it's the only verse I know. Be the best preacher you are. Don't let your heart get hardened. See, the Bible says that in verse 25 that the disciples, they woke him. In other words, they were all in fear together. It wasn't just one. They were all together. See, I think personally it probably could have been Thomas was the one that started it. Because if you think about it, they're there in the boat, right? And they're just, you know, sailing along. Things are going great and everything's happening. Hey, Peter, what's up? Hey, Matt, all right. Bartholomew, how's it going? All right, cool. We're just there. We're just chilling. And all of a sudden, maybe it was probably Thomas said, hey, hey, that's a big cloud over there, man. That's a big cloud. Oh, that's a big. Whoa, hey, you guys. Oh, my gosh. You guys, you, you see that? You feel that? You, oh my, I know you're a fisherman, but I'm not, man. I don't, I don't really go through this all the time. And then all of a sudden, here come the waves, and they start beating against the boat, and things are happening. Hey, you guys, I, I think we're going to, oh, oh my gosh, I'm not a good swimmer, man. I don't have a life jacket. They haven't been made for another 2,000 years. I'm just making it up right now anyways. And oh my, what do I do? What's going to go on, man? I'm not a fisherman. We're going to die. And then you got to remember Peter. Peter's a strong guy. He's got a lot of influence. He cuts people's ears off. He tells Jesus, you ain't going nowhere. He rebukes Jesus, and then Jesus Jesus rebukes him. So he's a man of influence. He can do some crazy things. So Peter probably goes, oh, my God. Dude, dude I'm not, you're probably right, dude. Oh, my God, we're going to die. And then everybody listens to Peter. Oh, my God, we're going to die. And then this guy, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. They were scared. The Bible says they were scared together. See, the one thing that you got to be very, very careful of are the people that are around you. Be very careful of those. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, the Bible says that the rabble, the rabble with them, or the mixed multitude with them, began to crave other food. They began to go after things that they shouldn't have been going after. Now, when you read mixed multitude, how many of you, you've seen the Ten Commandments before? You've seen that? The Ten Commandments, right? Or for those of you newer generation, the Prince of Egypt, right? The cartoon. <laughs> And there in, in, you know, the story, you read about it, how Moses comes and delivers the people. Well, you got to remember, just, you know, the theologians, they believe, you know, 500,000, a million, two million, millions of people. But nevertheless, it was a lot of people, a lot of people that went and got up at one time. Now, Hayward is 152,000 people, just Hayward by itself. And you got Union City, Dakota, uh, you know, San Leandro, San Lorenzo. Let's just kind of put all these cities together, if you will. And we're probably barely going to make up from San Leandro to Fremont. We'll barely make up, you know, 250,000, maybe 300,000 people. 300,000 people from, you know, there. So let's just say that. Now imagine, if you will, from Fremont to San Leandro, all the people that live here, they got to get up and go, and we are going to travel all the way to, let's go to Sacramento, Right? An hour and a half driving, it's going to take a little while to walk there. But everybody, we got to go. Now, on the way there, I'm pretty sure that some people from Oakland, some people from Castro Valley, from Pleasanton, as we walk over there, you see 350,000 people going. 
They're going to be like, hey, what are they doing? I don't know. Did you hear about it? Was it on the news? I don't know. I didn't see it. Well, hey, look at you. There's thousands of them. But they all have Hayward and Fremont. Dude, I didn't get one of those shirts. Man, could, you think we should go? Yeah, let's go. So they go too. And there's added on some people. Now, they weren't supposed to go. They weren't given a shirt to go. But they went anyways. See, those were the mixed multitude. See, God chose the Israelites. I need you to come out. But while they were coming out, some of the people from Egypt said, I want to go. I'll go. And the people there were like, hey, I guess so. Come on over. I guess we're all going. They didn't know that God was just trying to bring out the chosen ones. See, you need to realize something. that God is bringing you out because you're the chosen one. And I know a lot of times you like to think, well, man, I'm praying for my mom. I'm praying for my sister and my brother. And that's good and that's great. Keep praying for them. But for some reason, God chose you. For some uh, heavenly, powerful thing from God, God chose you. He separated you. You got to be real careful with that mixed multitude around you that doesn't need to be there. Because the Bible says that they begin to crave other food. I hear a lot of times, a lot of uh, people, when they first get saved, they, and they go back and we start talking with them about their friends and the people. And at first, it sounds a little harsh, like, hey, you got to be careful with those friends. Oh, but these are my friends. I, I grew up with them. This is who I, you know, they're my road dogs. This is what okay, well, you know, just in the wisdom that God has given me to share with you, I, I think you should be a little careful because those guys, they, they might, they're going to take you down the wrong path. Oh, see, well, that ain't right. And a lot of times, that's where a lot of people see the church. They try to run your life. No, the church ain't trying to run your life. It's the Bible that runs your life. Or at least the Bible should run your life. Oh, man, I don't think, well, be careful. Because that mixed multitude can take you and make you crave other things that you shouldn't be craving. Going after things that you shouldn't be going after. Seeing things you shouldn't be seeing. Doing things, listening, tasting things that you should not be tasting. One of my favorite scriptures, Psalms chapter 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, because the Bible says once you taste of God, everything else is eh. Everything else is eh. Isn't that right for those of you that did drugs, right? Those of you drug addicts? You used to taste that thing, right? Like, oh, oh, this is good stuff. All right, yeah. Okay, good. Oh, this is good. You remember whether you would shoot it up, smoke it up? Like, oh, yeah. Because you wanted to feel good. That's what drugs did. They, wanted, they gave you a good feeling. Drinking, some of you, they drowned out all the bad feelings and you thought it was good feelings. All drinking would do is just drown out bad feelings and make you feel worse feelings. It's a weird one, but human nature, we're like that. I don't want to feel this bad feeling. I want to feel worse. <laughs> so the Bible says, taste and see. Taste and see. I'm going to say that one more time. Taste and see. The reason why it says those two senses in the Bible, because the moment you taste of God, your eyes get open. You go, wow, I never knew it was like this. I, I never realized. Wow, this is something that I should have been going after the whole time. Taste and see. Once you taste of God, that's the greatest thing you'll ever have. That's the greatest feeling. You won't want to go back to nothing else. You will not want to go back to that vomit, to that mess up, to that mistakes, to the mishaps of once you work. Because now you've got a purpose. Hello, somebody. Now you've got a calling. Now you're going somewhere. You're doing something great for God. You're seeing success within your family and community. Why? Because now you've got that purpose. Now I taste it. Wow, I got something good to live for. Something great to live for. See, be careful of the people that are around you. They ain't going to let you taste of God. They won't let you see the real thing with God. That's what was happening here. See, you got to realize that sometimes this fear, it's contagious. It's very contagious. But one of the things that my father used to always say, he says, yeah, fear, it's normal, it's a part. But always keep your faith level above your fear level. Always keep that up. Keep that faith level above your fear level. Because fear is good. Fear is actually the beginning of wisdom. Actually, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not the fear of man, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what's, in other words, you can control that fear because, yeah, you're scared sometimes. I, I can't speak very well. I, I, I'm not very good at it. 
I, you know, I, was, I loved it right now when I saw Toby get up here. I was like, man, look at Toby, man. I was like, wow, how powerful. Now, if you would have seen Toby when he first came in, then when he said clap, you'd have been like, man, if this guy says clap, I, I better clap. Because before, he, he would just be there, just, I'm here, just here. Talk to Toby, he'd be like, hey. Hey, Toby, you think you can come over here? Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll be right there. Just there, just kicking it, you know. Not bad, not good, just, I'm here. And I'm sure a man like that probably had a, a lot of like, no, nah, me, you want me? No, I just, no, no, I'm fine, I'm, I'm good, I'm okay. I'm sure many of you, if we were to see many of you before time, if we put a screen up here of your life, we'd be like, oh my gosh, look at the transformation. I'm sure you're probably still a little scared, but having a little bit of fear, that's fine. But fear God, not man. Fear not doing his will. That's what you should be. Oh, my God, man, if I don't do his will, I, whew, I better do his will. I better do something about this. I, I got to tell her. You ever had that, 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 that little feeling inside? You're there as Christians. This happened to me even the other day. That you're there. Maybe you're at the drive-thru or you're, you're you know, there at the grocery store. And all of a sudden, you see somebody. And something comes upon your heart. Something just kind of comes over you. And you know it's God speaking to you. You're like, God's saying, okay, I want you to tell them about me. And you're like, nah, nah, nah. I'm going to look like a weirdo. I'm going to look like a moron. <laughs> I know, but I've called that moron. I've called you. It's not you anyway. It's me in you. It's my light shining through you. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I don't know. Man, I, oh, God. You know, even, even as, as uh, you know, unembarrassed sometimes as I look, man, I get embarrassed sometimes. You know, when, you know God just one-on-one -on -one wants me to share something with somebody. I'm like, what? Why use somebody else? Man, I, don't, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't, they don't know me. I don't know them. And in my mind, that's what I do. I, I can't do that. But God says, no, I've called you. I've separated you. But, they, you know, they're, they're different than me. They're upper class. I was in Newport the other day, and God did this to me. You know, if you go there to Newport, you know, they got money, right? Here I am in these little shorts, and, you know, I'm just in my shirt, whatever. Come on, man. These people got money. I'd be asking them for money. And so, you know, in my, you know, logical mind, I try to put status together. You know, I try to put high society, low society. But in God's society, it's actually even flipped. It's flipped, actually. It's harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven, the Bible says. I'm not going to get into that, but it's another portion of scripture, another message for another time. But it's flipped. I said, wow. So I remember going up and said, hey, just want you to know Jesus loves you. Looked at me. Wow. Thank you. And then he kept doing his cashier. Okay. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't know the end result. But God just told me to do that. And every once in a while, you're going to have those things. And you're going to have that. And that fear is going to come over you. Not me. I can't. What do I know? I'm not, I'm not going to see the result. But that's okay. That's why it's called a seed. God didn't call you to plant a tree. I'm going to go and I'm going to see the result right now. You, know, you need to come to church and you need to stop drug addicting right now. We're going to do it right now. That's it. You know, that's, if you don't do it, I'm giving up. God says, no, just plant a seed. I bring the increase. I'll do the rest. You just got to do what I'm telling you to do. Don't let the fear. Can you imagine? This ministry would not be around right now had Pastor Sonny himself. I'm just a drug addict. I'm from New York. God, you want me to go to L.A.? I was listening to Pastor Sonny with his testimony the other day. He was sharing it. And if you really think about it, because, you know, we think of Pastor Sonny, he speaks Spanish. And like it. Puerto Ricans are totally different from Mexicans. A lot of people think they're the same. You know, they're Latin, Latino, totally different. Totally different. Can I hear an amen? amen. And so you got to remember, too, New York, you know, they're there, you know, he even does, he always does that little, hey, buddy, hey. and then it comes to L.A., everyone's like, what's up? 
And Pastor Sonny comes from the dun 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 And he needs to come to dun 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 dun. You know how much patience Pastor Sonny had to have? Just for those men and those women, how much patience? You know how much patience it's going to take? This church is not going to grow into a large number. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some patience. It's going to take seed after seed after seed. And you may get discouraged a little bit. You may get a little bit discouraged. But you want to know? I want to tell you something. See, Jesus was in the boat with them. And he said, you of little faith. When I was younger, I used to play it. A game. We used to make up games, you know, because especially my mom, I would be watching TV. And my mom would say, okay, turn off the TV. Go outside and play. I'm like, well, I don't want to, Mom. You know, then I'm, you know, maybe 9, 10 years old. I'm only 10 years old. And I didn't have a brother to play with. Thanks, Mom. I didn't have a brother <laughs> to play with. So, but I had two younger sisters, right? And they were, you know, 4 years old, 5 years old. I was about 10 years old. And so I had to be real creative in games and making up games. And so I'd be there, and my mom would say, okay, now go outside. I'm like, oh, all right, fine, turn off the game. We used to, I, I remember I used to make up games. I used to play chicken with cars. Get that one. I don't know how that came up to happen, but we just make up games. And there was a couple of us, we played chicken with cars. You never, you never did that? I did that. Man. I told you, I'm a weirdo. I was a moron. Ten years old, we played chicken with cars, jump out in front, ah, and then come out, you know. <laughs> Never got hit, thank God. <laughs> Ten years old, what do you know, right? Used to play, you know, how high I can jump off a roof, the higher the better, you know, what do, oh, you know, ah, you know, fall, and I think I broke an ankle just one time, you know, just one time out of all the 50. I used to play how close I can come to cars passing by by throwing rocks. The cars will go by. All right. Wah. Some of you are looking at me. That was my car. One time I actually did hit a, hit a car. The guy, got out. I was like, oh, no. I was 10 years old. I'll never forget. Myself, Robert, and, and, and John John, a couple of kids that, that grew up here in the church, we booked it. We ran. No, man. And the funny thing was is that we did it in front of the church. <laughs> 10 years old. What do I know, right? So I can't, I'll never forget that the guy stopped his car right in the middle of the street. It was over there on A Street, you know, Royal, Royal Avenue, for those of you guys that remember. And they used to have little uh, things that fell from the tree, and we used to throw them, and I hit a car. It was a Camaro. I'll never forget. Her guy came out, big old black dude, man. I was like, oh! <laughs> Ran inside. Hey! I had a guy was talking to my dad. My dad was like, hey, I'm sorry I paid for any of the damages. We just make up games, right? Just make stuff up. That's what we do. And so my mom would say, okay, go outside and play. All right. So I, so I remember we used to have a two-story house, and I'd call, Stephanie, come here. So Stephanie would come downstairs, and she'd go, yeah. And I would look at her, she would look at me, and then I would wrap my arms and my legs around her. And I'd go, okay, try and get out. But I was creative. That's the way I look at it. I was creative. And I used to hold her. And my sister would cry and scream, get off of me. Let me go. Her hands would be coming up on my face. Oh. And I'd be, you can't get out, can you, huh? Can't get out, can you? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Try it, try it, try it. Go ahead. Oh, that scratch, that hurt. But you still can't get out, huh? Still can't get out. I know, I got you. And we'd be rolling on the ground. Try to get out. You can't get out. Go, oh, mommy. Yeah! She'd be screaming. I'd be putting my hand over her. That's cold, huh? But it's true. Just gotta make stuff up, right? I'm just making it up. They're holding my sister. And then finally, you know, after this would go on for like 20 minutes. Not like five minutes, not 10 minutes. It would go on for like 20 minutes. That's a long time. That's a long time. You know, ah, there, 20, 20, finally, my sister would be like, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. See, my parents were instilling God in her, even at a young age. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. 
you done? Are you done? I'm done. Are you done? Okay, you can go. And then I'd be done, i go, Val! And i call Val over. The funny thing about it is that as I was holding my sister, or my sisters, if you will, and playing a, a game that I made up with them, I was holding them, holding them tightly, and they would go out of there. But when everything was out of them, then I would let them go. Say, okay, that's it, I'm done. You can go now. See, the disciples were inside of a storm not because of what they were seeing on the outside. It's because of what God was trying to get rid of on the inside. He was trying to get everything out of them. Oh, God, I'm not going to live. I'm not going to be able. He was trying to get all that out of them right there while he was in the boat. Because you've got to remember, first time he's in the boat, second time he wasn't in the boat. The first time he was right there next to him. The next time, he might not be right there next to him. I mean, you might not feel that presence. You might not have him right there next to you to where you could just call on him and say, Jesus. But the next time, you might say, Jesus, and he's not there. So he wanted to make sure that all that fear got out of him. See, the situation that you might be going through right now, that you may think, oh, my God, all this on the outside. No, it's because God's trying to do something on the inside. He's trying to get all that stuff out of you. All that complex, all those hang-ups, all that fear, all those mistakes. I can't do it. I, I need Jesus. I, can't, I, can't, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think I can do this. The Bible says, hide the word in your heart so that you might not sin against God. So all of a sudden you're going to think, man, I need Jesus. All you need is the word of God. That's all you need. That's all you need. But first, we got to get that out of you. All those men, I can't do it. Yes, you can. But I can't speak like her. Yes, you can. But I'm no good. I'm just, no, no, you're not. All the, isn't that sometimes when you come to Christ, those are like the first things you say? Well, I'm not cleaned up. Well, I don't have it together. I don't have this much money. I don't do, I can't do this. I can't do that. And so all of a sudden, you got all these I can'ts. So in order for, to make sure that you can be used by God, God takes you through this process to get all that stuff out of you. And once all that stuff gets out of you, then Christ says, perfect. Now I'm going to use you. Listen, Victory Outreach Hayward, I came here, and if you heard anything out of this message as I close here, if you had heard anything out of this message, some of you guys, you've been going through the process and the trials of this church, and you've been figuring, man, what's going on here? And you see all this stuff on the outside, but you need to know something. God's doing something. You may not see it. You want to see it with your eyes. You want to like, oh man, I, I see this and I see that and I see this. But God's saying, no, I need to get in here first. I got to get deep inside. I got to test this. I got to make sure that once you get the numbers, you're actually going to keep the numbers. My father used to always tell us this. He used to always tell us this. He says, I don't build dramas. I build churches. Because a lot of times we bring a lot of people in from the dramas. Man, we can get 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. We've had 3,000 people, 4,000 people at a drama. But let's be honest. We don't build dramas. We build churches. We build people. That's what we build. We build where nobody else wants to build. We go where nobody else wants to go. We go where people say, there's no purpose. There's no calling. You can't go into Dakota. Yes, we can. You can't go into Hayward. Yes, we can. You can't go into Union City. Nobody's any good from Castro Valley. Nobody's any good from San Leandro, my friend. Yes, there is. We got some great men and great women that are tested that show themselves a proof of what God can do within their lives. It's not by chance that maybe we don't have enough uh, people here in this space. This space is a big space. But my friend, as I look around right now, I go, man, we should probably go into double services. Now, some of you may say, oh, my gosh, that's a lot. It's true. It is a lot. A lot to ask for. But you know where it has to be built in first? It's got to be built in us. It's growth in us. It's the church. Say, man, because I, I truly believe the more people in here, the less people down there. The more people in here. The less people down there. 
Right now, you're going through some testings, Victory Outreach Hayward, Sacramento, Colorado Springs. You're going through some testings. You say, man, why is this happening within my life? Why is this taking place? Why is this so intense? Don't worry. You were asked to sing the song. You just didn't say how you wanted it. Wrap me in your arms. Don't be intense. Because right away we think, wrap me in your arms. Yes, God, give me a hug. Sometimes he ain't giving you a hug. Sometimes he's holding you tightly. Sometimes he's holding you. Wrap me in your arms. I want a nice hug. God says, no, right now you don't need it nice. Right now I got to give it to you a little ugly. Right now it's going to be a little bit dirty. Right now it's going to get downright just hard out, flat, rough neck work. Say, no, God, give me just a hug. God says, I'll give you a hug. I'm going to give you a bear hug. Give me a hard one, a tough one. Sometimes it's that tough love. Say, what? Me? Yes, you, because I got to make sure. Because once I let you go, I want to make sure that when you go out there, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be okay. Listen, Victory Outreach Hayward, God's got you. Don't worry about it. Man, this is hard. This is tough. I know. Don't worry about it. He's got you. He ain't going nowhere. You're all right. This shaking the bay, you can't shake the bay by just going like this. That's a shake. No, my friend, you actually got to shake that thing. So right now, if you feel like, man, I want to shake the bay, well, guess what? God's got to shake you first. God's got to grab a hold of you first. So my friend, right now, if you're in the middle of that storm and you're saying, man, this is too intense, you should actually lift up your arms and say, okay, God, it's all out of me. Keep shaking me if you want because I'm ready. I'm tested. I'm approved. I know that you can use a man like me. You can use a woman like me. God, I am ready to do the will of my Father. I'm ready for it. I truly believe that here with the Victory Outreach Hayward as they come to the keyboard here this morning. I truly believe that here at Victory Outreach Hayward. Guys, we're taking you guys through some testings, through some trials. You're like, man, this is too much. No, it's not too much. It's, it's just enough, actually. It's just enough. You've been going through some things. People have been talking about you. People have been saying that that's okay. It's normal. It's a part of the process. Study to show thyself a God wants to put that approval on you. The thing about God's classroom, the thing about God's exams, God's testing, is that God doesn't test you on paper. He gives you the homework on paper. This is his homework. He'll give you this, but his testings are not on paper. His testings are actually out there. That's what the testings are. See, the testings are not here when everything is good, even when you come to church. You can come in these four walls and everything is great. Everything's fine. You can say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. But when you go out there, oh, man, other things want to come out. I want to say this. I want to do this. And God say, no, I want to make sure that you're paying attention to my homework, paying attention to the study. Are you studying? Just don't let the preacher and the pastor give you your word. This word that I'm giving you, this is either affirmation or confirmation, but it's not the transformation. Your transformation is out there. That's where it is. And then if you're doing the will of the Father, you go out there to bring them in here. It's a process. The process that God has for you. I truly believe that here with the Victory Outreach Hayward, this is the place where I was born again, place where I lived my, uh, made the majority of the history of my life. I love this church. This has a very, very great big part within my life. But the, the one thing that I've learned about the will of God is that maybe not necessarily I stay here. I've gone somewhere else. I'm in L.A. right now. That's actually where I was born. Full circle, huh? Crazy. Full circle. God takes you full circle sometimes. Myself, somebody, somebody asked me the other day, hey, well, you're you going to go you're going back to Hayward? I go, yeah, actually, I am going to Hayward. They go, really? I go, yeah, I'm going to Hayward next week. Go, oh, that's not what I meant. I go, well, I don't know. That's not what I meant either. The only meaning that I know is what God has. That's the only meaning that I know. I got to be tested. I got to be approved. I want to make sure that whatever I do, I'm doing for the will of God. Not for the will of man. Not for the will of me. But for the will of God. See, the one thing that you need to make sure that when you're sitting here in this church building on these chairs, 
is that, is this where I'm supposed to be sitting every Sunday? Is this where I'm supposed to be? And if this is where you're supposed to be, then you need to be here every Sunday morning. They got church on Sunday, Sunday nights. Whatever I can do to help build and grow this church. If he that does the will of my Father that is in heaven, you got to do something. You got to do it. Listen, Victory Outreach. This is our time to do something. We've been tested now. We're being tested. You've been tested. Some of you now, the seasoned ones, that you've been here in this church, you've been seasoned. Don't look at the younger generation and say, oh, okay, it's, it's their time. Actually, we can only tell time by the time that you give us. That's the only way that we can tell time. We, you hear that slogan from the now generation, it's our time. Well, we were given the time by you. So don't just say, all right, it's their time. No, keep giving us the time. Keep blazing the trail. Keep giving it. We need more and more of the men and women that you've been here in this church a while. Give it to these young people. You don't have to be a youth leader, but you could still lead youth. I'm going to say that one more time. You don't have to be a youth leader, but you could still lead this generation. You could still lead the young men, still lead the young women. You could still do it. Stir up that passion back inside of your heart. Don't let that heart say, I'm just going to come and sit here. No. You say, God, stir me up to change a generation of men and women that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I'm ready. God, I'm tested. God, use me any which way, oh God, that you have for my life, that you have for my family. God, it's my time. Stand with me here this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as they begin to sing this song here this morning, if you say, you know what, that message, it was for me. Listen, don't worry about.